wind blowing toward right field. If Alex could find something to pull, get it in the air, he would get some help. Familia's next pitch. Belted to deep center. Back goes Lagares. And gone, Alex Gordon. In comes the pitch. Broken bat, one hopper to third. And over to first in time. Runner going to try to score. Wild throw. Hosmer gambling that he could dash home on the throw to first base. And the Royals have tied the game. For the very best in baseball, this is the place you want to be. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Royals podcast, a part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. I'm your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. And on today's show, we're going to talk about the 2013 Royals and finally complete or start to complete the favorite seasons week that's now lasted two weeks on the Lockdown Royals podcast last week. We did the 2015 team, and we planned to do the 2013 and 2014 teams on Wednesday and on Friday. However, Major League Baseball kept rolling out these idiotic plans on when to start back up again, when to begin baseball again, and I just had to rip on them for two days last week instead of getting done the favorite seasons week here on the Lockdown Rolls podcast. Again, this is a part of the Lockdown Podcast Network which is your teams every day, except for during a global pandemic. So we'll be doing three shows every week until we have our feet underneath us with this whole coronavirus thing and we have sports to actually talk about. Again, we don't want to just roll out content for the sake of rolling out content unless it's really good quality. For all of you out there listening, the support has been great still. I appreciate every one of you listening. And again, you can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore styles. If you do have topics or ideas or questions that you want answered on this podcast. So here's the plan for the week. Today we're going to talk about the 2013 Royals, which is one of my favorite seasons of all time. As you can guess, we're doing the top three seasons in my in my lifetime. I'm not going to go all the way back and do like 1985 or something because I just don't have enough insight on that. I um, you know, I've read books about it. I've, I've read about it. I've went back and watched it, but you know, I couldn't experience it. So it would seem stupid to have a 22-year-old kid telling all of you guys about the 85 Royals, uh, as if I really had any understanding of that. Of course, I did not. I wasn't even born yet. So my personal three favorite seasons will be this week. Again, 2015 was on Monday. We're going to do 2013 today, 2014 on Wednesday. On Friday, we're going to do my favorite game I've ever attended live at Kauffman Stadium. So it'll be my favorite game on Friday to kind of round out favorites week, and then we'll move on. Next week with a new topic, a new themed topic around the network. This has been really fun to be a part of Lockdown Podcast Network. And every show, if you're a fan of, you know, the Chiefs or any other team, they're all doing these kind of themes of, you know, the the best seasons, their favorite seasons. I know the Chiefs podcast is still very much heavy, of course, on the NFL draft. And if you are a Chiefs fan, you can also also listen to my other podcast, the the Arrowhead Attic podcast, uh, if you want to get these Chiefs takes. So that's the plan for the week. We're going to do today the 2013 team, Wednesday the 2014 team, and then Friday my favorite game I've ever seen live and in person at Kauffman Stadium. So the 2013 team holds a special place in I think everyone's heart that's under the age of 30. 
you know, they were, for the first time since 2003, playing over 500 ball. So, of course, you know in 2013, Ned Yost was the manager at Dayton Moore, the general, general manager, and it's right before the Royals make their first postseason in 30 years. Now, an 86-76 and 76 record and finishing third place in your division is usually not enough to get you into a, a favorites list, an all-time favorite team. Um, but the fact that this team was competitive until the very end, I mean, I remember that late West Coast trip to Seattle where it looked like the Royals could really pull it off if they could just get hot for the last week of the season. They could really pull it off if some magic happened. Um, of course, the magic didn't happen. But the fact that they finished 10 games over 500 and were competitive for the first time that I can remember. Again, in, 20, in, in, in 2003, I couldn't remember anything about that season. But they were over 500. So, I mean, this year I could really remember for the first time in my lifetime the Royals being a competitive ball club where every night you thought, hey, they could win this game. They could win. You never know. And, of course, that team, you know, had, had your big names. It was, it was the trade for James Shields. It was Salvador Perez. It was, it was Alex Gordon. It was Eric Cosmer, Holland. You know, even Irvin Santana was really good on that team. I mean, he was really fun to watch in Kansas City. Luke Hochaver, Bruce Chen, you know, I remember watching Bruce Chen, you know, at one point thinking he'd be a really good pitcher, as I'm sure a lot of people did. And then, of course, Dyson's there and Guthrie's there. Um, you know, this team with Billy Butler and Jeff Francoeur, it was the perfect mix of, of guys who you knew were not good, but you liked them because they were on the Royals, and also guys who you knew would be good. I mean, we knew Hosmer would be good. We knew Moustakas would be good. We knew Lorenzo Cain would be good. But you also still had your Jeff Francoeurs of the world, your Emilio Bonifacios of the world, your Elliot Johnsons of the world, Justin Maxwell, even Johnny Giovatella got to play that season. You know, you even got one game out of Irving Falou. So this team had a ton of stories, and if, and if you're, of course, a diehard Royals fan, you remember guys like Aaron Crow. <laughs> and... And you know, it's just taking me back to Luis Coleman. I mean, this is just interesting to me to go back and remember this season. And it, it holds a special place to me, not only because it was the first time, it was the first time that I saw really competitive baseball in Kansas City, but also personally, uh, you know, back whenever Hosmer and Moustakis and them were coming up, the Royals were losing 100 games, obviously. You know, close to it. But... You know, as they made the move through through the minor leagues, I'd go see them in Oklahoma City at AAA. I'd go see them in all these different minor league ballparks, and I'd be telling my friends at school, "Hey, the Royals are going to be really good. They're going to get good. They're they're going to eventually be good." And of course, you know, most kids at that age don't understand that. Yeah, even though Hosmer and Mustakas did get called up, you know, in 2011, they're not going to instantly be good, but they're going to be good. And, and you know, just to see that kind of pay off to a small extent in 2013 of C. They're building something in Kansas City was gratifying to me, of course, as someone who was beating the drum for Hosmer, for Moustakis, for Perez, someone who was beating the drum for, hey, the Royals are going to be your surprise pick the next couple of years here. Now, who knew that this run here would only last for three to four competitive seasons? But, you know, that, that's kind of the way things break out. But at, at least they got to the World Series twice and won one. That's more than most franchises can say. But it all really started 
with this 2013 team. I mean, this is where it all this is where it all kind of came together, I think. And getting a guy like James Shields into that clubhouse. You know, you're still experimenting at that time with Wade Davis, you know, as a closer. I mean, as a starter, excuse me, before you fully transitioned him into the bullpen. This is where things kind of took shape for, for Kansas City. And it's just so funny to me to go back and, and, and look at this again. I mean, Wade Davis made 24 starts in 2013. So if they don't make that move, out, you know, if they don't transition him into the bullpen, what happens with this run? And that's a credit to Ned Yost for for really for really making that move with him and with Duffy. You know, putting Duffy in the bullpen was huge. You know, Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay put Wade Davis in the bullpen for a little bit, and they still were trying to get the most out of him as a starter because that's obviously where you have your your most value is as a starter. But when you throw Wade Davis in the bullpen that already has Kelvin Herrera and already has Greg Holland, his value skyrockets because. Who knew he turned into an absolute machine? And then, of course, he transitioned Luke Hochaver into the bullpen, which is which was a huge deal. And I don't think that people give that enough credit outside of Kansas City. And Kansas City honestly gives a little bit too much credit to everyone on these next two teams. You know, 2014, 2015, they gave a little bit too much credit to everybody on the team. But nationally, I don't think people understood how good Luke Hochaver was. As a fireman, as a guy who could come out in a high leverage situation and get out of it. It was, it was remarkable, especially considering how terrible he was as a starter. And my favorite player to watch on this team, this 2013 team, of course you don't have the the standout moments that you do in 2014 and 2015 where you can point to multiple games that really you know, just pop out to you. But of this group, my, you know, it's, co- it's a cop-out to say a little bit, but of this group, my favorite player to watch was probably Eric Cosmer in this season, specifically, 2013. A 300 average... An 801 OPS. He played really good baseball. And again, his his glove at first base that year was really good. 17 home runs. You know, this team wasn't a home run hitting team by any means. I mean, you got 20 homers out of Alex Gordon, which is a huge surprise. He ends up, you know, slapping a slash line of 265, 327, and 422. But ultimately, this team is special for the simple fact that, hey, they were on the cusp. And that, for the first time in many of your lifetimes that are listening to this podcast right now, that was the first time you could say that. And if you're in the older demographic, for the first time in 30 years, that was the first time that you could say that, that the Royals were being competitive and playing real quality baseball. This team only won 86 games. That's true. But quality baseball is the point. Again, I, I was not able to really understand 2013, uh, 2003. I was not really really able to understand what was happening. I'm only 22 years old. So 2013 was the first time that I saw a quality product in Kauffman Stadium. After the break, we're going to talk quickly about Alex Gordon's comments as he's a part of the MLBPA group that spoke out about the situation in baseball right now and, and where things are headed But first, I want to talk about our good friends over at Postmates. From an early morning breakfast burrito to a 12-pack of beer while you're watching the game, sometimes you need things delivered fast, and that's where Postmates comes in. But Postmates does not just deliver burgers and sushi. They make your life easier with grocery deliveries 
and whatever else you can think of being delivered right to your doorstep from convenience stores to clothing stores, you name it. So no more trips to the store, no more late night fast food runs, don't even worry about picking up lunch. Just download the Postmates app for iOS or Android, find your favorite places, get anything you want and anything you need delivered within the hour. For a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credits for the first seven days on the app. To start your free deliveries, download the app and use code LOCKEDON. That's code LOCKEDON for $100. $100 of free delivery credit with no minimum purchases for your first seven days after you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. We'll be back after this on the Locked On Podcast Network, the Locked On Royals Podcast. Welcome back to the Locked On Royals Podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. And as I said before the break, I want to talk about Alex Gordon, who is, of course, an MLBPA representative. And he spoke out about the idea that baseball could be done totally in Arizona. Now, this is the first proposal, which came from Jeff Passan of ESPN, not the Bob Nightingale proposal, uh, which, again, neither of those people proposed them. They got sources that told them that baseball was thinking of this. I should be more clear about that. Um, so the first report from Jeff Passan was that every single game will take place in Arizona. And there are so many hurdles that even in a 30-minute-long podcast last week, I couldn't get through all of them in that Jeff Passan article of what baseball was leaking out to him. So this is just to reiterate which plan Alex Gordon is speaking of. He's only speaking of the plan that Jeff Passan had, which was totally isolated in Arizona. Bob Nightingale later that week came out with his sources telling him, hey, they might do grapefruit grapefruit and cactus league where the Royals would be in a brand new division. They'd be playing their games in Arizona. They'd be in the cactus league. They'd win the cactus league and not the AL and things like that. So Gordon is strictly speaking on, hey, let's keep everything the same, except for the fact that we're going to play every single game in Arizona. So the schedule stays the same, the divisions stay the same, we can try to play every single game, and we just do it in Arizona with no fans. Just to be clear. Because there was also a third plan, which I didn't even discuss, because it's just so it's just so crazy to me, that I'm not going to waste my time talking about it, and that's what Tim Kirchin got told to him. Again, this is no shot at these reporters. Jeff Passan, Bob Nightingale, Tim Kirchin had no input in this. They're just reporting what they hear. So I'm not saying that that Tim Kirchner is stupid. I'm saying that this idea being leaked to him is stupid. Why would you leak out a plan that has you playing all your games in Japan? It makes no sense. And I've talked about why baseball is stepping in it and just being absolutely stupid by, by floating out these notions last week, which you can go back and listen to the Wednesday and Friday show to hear all my opinions on that. But as it relates to Kansas City, Outfielder Alex Gordon talked to Lynn Worthy of the Kansas City Star in the paper today, and he, and he talked about his opinions on it as a, as a player representative. And basically, he supported it. He said that, you know, yeah, we prefer to, to have things done the right way, but we also want to give back to the country, and we want to give back to the people. So if that means playing games with no fans and playing them in Arizona, then so be it. He didn't say anything wrong. Uh, He also didn't really say anything at all. Sure, the players want to play. No question. And sure, the owners want them to play. 
And sure, I want them to play. Do you think it's easy hosting a podcast without baseball? Do you think that my life wouldn't be exponentially better with baseball to talk about? And with more people interested in baseball? You think more people wouldn't search out a baseball podcast if there was actual baseball happening? So yeah, we all want baseball to happen. But it's not about what we want. And sure, giving back to the to the nation would, would be great, Alex Gordon. Would be great. Because sports has always been there. I talked about this two weeks ago. It was there through the World Wars. It was there through 9-11. It was there through Hurricane Katrina. It was there through everything. The, the floods in Houston. It's always been there. And now it's not. So yeah, the nation would rally around baseball. And it could probably get some more fans interested in them if they were the only sport on. But the plan isn't realistic. And outside of having to quarantine every single player on the 40-man roster, maybe even some more players than that, every single coach, every single GM, every single broadcaster, every single broadcast crew, every single umpiring crew, having to play the games between 9 a.m. and 11 a.m., and then play the night games, and then play a couple day games inside Chase Field with with the air conditioning on in the dome, because in July you can't play outside in Arizona. You just can't. It all boils down to the isolation part of this. Again, first of all, do you trust every single person, every single one of them, from the broadcast crew to the broadcasters, to the media members, the players, to the players who maybe aren't getting playing time at all. Do you trust them all to take isolation seriously for four and a half months? Furthermore, the best example I can use is Mike Trout and Garrett Cole. I've said it all last week. I'll say it again today to kind of shoot down this being even a plausible idea. They're both expecting children during the season. So they'd be leaving a pregnant wife. They'd probably want to go see their child get born, I would assume. So they leave isolation. They go see their child get born. And then they'd have to re-isolate for two and a half weeks. So take the Angels, who will be fighting for a wildcard spot. They're going to lose Mike Trout for a month. Simply because he did what he had to do as a father and as a man and what he wanted to do. Which is no, which is his right, and I would be, I would be upset with Mike Trout if he elected not to go see the birth of his child in favor of staying quarantined. That would be, that would make me not be a fan of his. So he's gonna go see it. He's gonna go see the birth, and he should. So the Angels just miss out on the best player in baseball for for, for a month. That's that's part of why this plan makes no sense, and you're gonna take away all these people from the all these people from their families for four and a half months. It, it, does, it just does not make sense to me. I get it. Alex Gordon wants to be positive. And again, he said nothing wrong. I'm not ripping Alex Gordon. Because frankly, he didn't say anything at all. He said we want to play. And maybe it could work. Yeah, maybe it could work. If, if you wanted to be the most optimistic person in the world, maybe it could work. But 
bottom line is use logic instead of optimism. Logically, it's not going to work. It can't work. It won't work. But it's the right thing to say of, of, yeah, you know, we're not against it. We're not totally opposed to it. Again, he said that they want to play and that it would be good for the country. It would be great for the country to have that escape of sports. The escape of sports has always been great. It's not logical to follow that Arizona plan. It's not logical to go play in Japan. It's not logical to do the Grapefruit and Cactus League. We just had a tainted champion in 2017. We had a tainted champion in 2018. We had the steroid era. Do you really want another asterisk? Do you really want another footnote? I love baseball. Everyone listening to this podcast right now loves baseball. It is impossible for you to be listening in 21 minutes to a baseball podcast with no baseball if you don't love baseball. But at some point, it's no longer just give me something. It's no longer baseball at some point. Implementing the universal DH, implementing, you know, out of nowhere doing that, and and, and implementing new divisions and doing this and that, that's not baseball. And it's okay if we have to miss a year of baseball. I would rather, as much of a baseball fan as I am, which I love baseball more than I love football, and I host a football podcast as well, I write about football, I love football, but I love baseball more. And it would be okay if we do not have baseball this year. It wouldn't be ideal. It wouldn't be my preference. But if these are the hurdles that we have to jump through to get baseball, it's insane to me. So Alex Gordon speaks out, supports the plan. That's the headline of the day, that he supports the plan. But if you actually read what he said, to me, it didn't come off very supportive. It came off as hopeful, and it came off as coach speak, so to say. He didn't really say anything. He didn't really take a big stance. And I can reach out to Lynn and, and, and try to see if he got a different vibe. Um, you know, he's, he's a great writer, and I, and I enjoy his columns and the star I'm sure every one of you out there knows who he is, but that's where Alex Gordon said it, was that in the Kansas City Star. Uh, but bottom line is, the Arizona plan, the Cactus League plan, the Japan plan, none of it's good. None of it's good. I, I don't know what they'll fall on, what they'll land on, and what they'll do, but... It's getting close to there being no baseball at all this year. One other interesting note before we get out of here. About that Arizona plan that leaked to Jeff Passan. Former Marlins president of operations, David Sampson, went on the Dan Levitard show on Friday. And it was interesting to me that he said that that plan wasn't supposed to be leaked to Jeff Passan. That he has people telling him that that was not a design leak. For example... The, the playoff expansion, okay, that got leaked earlier this offseason with the extra teams, the drafting of the teams on live television, that, that's a plan leaked. Baseball plan, Rob Manfred plan, hey, float this out there for, for us, Jeff Passan. Please float this out there. Let, let's get a gauge on where the fans are at. Let's see if they like this concept. David Sampson saying, hey, that was not supposed to get out. 
because of the reaction it got. It was not supposed to get out. Because they knew it was a bad plan, but they're just throwing things at the wall and seeing what's plausible and what isn't. And they knew that that was not plausible, but it, it, it accidentally, somehow, got leaked to Jeff Passan. And again, Jeff Passan is, is fantastic, and I think that he's the best baseball reporter out there now. I mean, I still love Ken Rosenthal. I, I, I still like the, the greats out there, of course, but I think Jeff Passan is the very best right now, today. So again, that's no shot at Jeff Passan. Jeff Passan is doing his job, and that's why he's the best, because he will run with anything given to him, and he'll find it. He'll go out there and find it. And Ken Rosenthal still finds stories, I mean, as recently as, as this year. But Jeff Passan seems to be ha, seems to have the hookup with a lot more people now than even than even the great Ken Rosenthal, who's a Hall of Fame level reporter. Shout out to Kansas City legend Jeff Passan. Uh, but again, that's no shot at him or, or Bob Nightingale or Tim Kirchin who reported these plans. They're not coming up with these plans, and I think that some people get that confused. They're not proposing it. Baseball is uh, so. Just insane. The, the Japan plan, the Cactus League plan, the Arizona plan, just insane. Let me know what you guys think about that on Twitter, at Rylan underscore Styles. It's at R-O-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. So on Wednesday, we'll talk about the 2014 Kansas City Royals. We'll be able to go a lot more in-depth, given the fact that there's just so much to talk about and discuss from that season. Again, this is crazy and unprecedented times right now. And I appreciate everyone sticking with the Lockdown Rolls podcast and still trying to grow the fastest growing Rolls podcast. And once baseball returns, it'll be still the only daily Rolls podcast once we get some clarity on the sports world. But I appreciate everyone listening and we'll be back on Wednesday. Be good and be good to one another.